Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Today we're going to look at one verse from our Torah portion. I was reading this, uh, and uh, and then last night with the kids, and uh, it was just a great verse. It really struck me. I don't know why. Somehow, you know, it's like it's a verse everybody knows. It's one that struck me a million, or I've you know read a hundred times, and um, it's nothing new, but. Um, it just, I don't know, it hit me, and maybe it's just because it's a point in life or, or time or whatever. Um, but if you want to go to Genesis 18, we're going to start there. Um, and, uh, and our verse is uh, Genesis 18, verse 19. For I know him, talking about Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of Yehovah to do justice and judgment, that Yehovah may bring upon Abraham that which, that which he <coughs> hath spoken. So this is the the, the passage where um, God and the two angels, or the three angels, or whoever you think they are, came and um, uh, spoke to Abraham in the tent, and he promises Abraham uh, the promise of um, Isaac, the promised seed, that he will have an heir, and that he, and that a great people will come from him. He's already been promised that, and so we're going to kind of go work our way through this verse. But what struck me offhand was how just the world, even in my own life, it feels like sometimes my own mind and just all these everything. It's just always in chaos and in corruption and in state of decay and falling apart. And it all started. <laughs> it all started back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, and with Adam not doing what he was supposed to, chasing the stupid snake out of the garden and, and dealing with it right then and there. He did not keep the garden, and so as I went through this verse and I looked at all these words and you follow, and we're going to look at some of these words and follow them through. Um, from beginning to end, and we're going to see this process, but how, what he says in this verse about Abraham, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of Yehovah to do justice and judgment, that Yehovah may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken to him. It's like, it's like the whole story summed up in a nutshell. So everything's in a mess. There's chaos. So God pulls Abraham out of complete obscurity. You know, I was listening to a commentary recently um, by Menachem Schneerson, who's a famous Chabad Rebbe. And um, they keep referring to Abraham the Jew. It's like, Abraham was not a Jew. Yeah. Anyways, it's a complete side note and irrelevant. But he wasn't a Jew, he wasn't a nobody. He was an idolater. And when you were supposed to go to the temple, you were to say, my father was a wandering, uh, was it a wandering Armenian? But a wanderer, basically, and an idolater. But God called him out, and that's why he was the first Hebrew, because he crossed over and he left where and what he was. And so God injected into the world information to 
sustain and maintain things, his word, basically, that the seed of who he was, the Messiah. Because what I want us to see on all through these is this idea of, even in the chapter, the seed is promised, the promised seed of, of, uh, of uh, Isaac. And that these are all stories that are true, but they also paint bigger pictures of God's redemptive plan for his people, for the whole world and all those who will believe and follow him, in through his plan of the Messiah and how... Um, God, this, it's, I have a hard time explaining what goes on in my head because there's such big concepts and I'm trying to distill it down into a construct form to make sense, not just ramble on. But this idea that he has to save the world from itself, essentially. And so he gives us his word and he gives us the promised seed of the Messiah to save us that we may be born again, that we may have a new nature, to do what is right, to be able to be an influence positively to be able to rebuild his kingdom essentially and so that's what this whole story is and this this whole and this little verse here is just a encapsulation of it so the world is all full of wickedness and corruption but what happens the first thing he says about abraham is that he knows him and so god knows uh us just like he knows abraham and so he gives us his word which is the, his seed which is the Messiah. And this makes a new creation in us because we have to be born again. We have to, because the way that we're born in our Adamic state, in our corrupt state, is just, is, is corrupt. And it's, it, it's irredeemable the way it is. So he has to make something new within us. And so this idea of him knowing Abraham, he knew Abraham. It wasn't just like he saw Abraham down there and was like, oh, there's a, you know, he looks like a pretty good specimen I think I can work with. Maybe there was that to some degree. But the idea <coughs> behind this <coughs> excuse me, is that he knew Abraham. And that word know, as we know, has to do with the coming together of the husband and the wife. And what happens there is when Adam knew his wife and she conceived and she bore Cain. Right? And so what happens in that situation, in the physical as well as in the spiritual, when God knows a person, is... The seed is put forth into the woman or into that new creation and something or that person and something is born forth through his word. And so God knew Abraham and he was born again. And he became this new creation and his name changed, his nature changed, and then he could go and do what God wanted him to do. And so it's all predicated on that, that right there. And so God knows us makes us a new creation. We are born again into the work of his hands. And because of this, our new nature, and our, and our new, because of this, our new nature, we're capable to keep the way of Yehovah doing justice and judgment, to sustain things, to maintain things, to renew things, to teach our children, to chart a different path in our own lives and families and communities and cultures um, instead of corruption and chaos and so that's what makes abraham special not that he's really special but it's what god did because as we're going to see abraham tried to do it on his own and what came out of that ishmael the problems exactly problems came of that when he tried to do it his own way um, it's something god has to do okay so 
So, for I know him that he will command his children. And so, there's this idea of generational uh, per perpetuation. And so, he will command his children. Um, it doesn't just... Uh, it doesn't just happen on its own. <clears throat> this idea of this new way and new life, a new path for God's people to be born again of a new nature, His Word and His seed within us, is not something that can be passed on physically. When you have children, it doesn't just automatically transfer because the only thing you pass on to them is your seed, physical nature, and your corrupt habits and behavior. And so they need something in, instilled and injected and birthed into them, which is God's word and his seed. And so they have to then take that word, and they have to trust it and believe it, be born again, and then produce the fruit, and then that generation happens. But the way that that happens is you have to plant the seed. So you have to command your children. And so he knew Abraham, Abraham was saved and born again, and he knew that he would teach and command his children. So the first place we see this commandment, I want to follow these uh, places that we see this, the word command is in the first place. You don't have to turn. Genesis 2, uh, verse 16 here. And Yehovah commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So the first commandment that is given is about the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. This is really important. And so what happens when you eat fruit? There's seeds in it, and you ingest the fruit, right? Well, he didn't want him to eat the one of the knowledge of good and evil because you're ingesting that. And then death ensues. He wants them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good, uh, or, uh, tree of life. But they don't. All right, then, so that's the first commandment. And then we go to uh, last book in the Old Testament. Malachi, again, you don't have to turn. Malachi 4, 4. Remember ye the Torah of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Again, this idea of uh, commanding and... Um, Torah of Moses my commanded him for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. This idea of commanding the Torah, the word... The seed, that's what has to be passed on, not of physical nature, but of spiritual nature, which, again, makes a new creation so that justice and judgment may ensue. And so it's attached to the Torah there. Then, if you go down back to the very end of your Bible, in Revelation 22.14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates of the city. Isn't that amazing? So you have this connection all the way through. So in the beginning, they're commanded to only eat from the tree of life and not from the tree of evil. Then they're commanded in Malachi, keep the Torah. And then, blessed are they that do his commandments. And again, the commandments are the word and the seed, and it's all connected. Then in the beginning, they shall have right to the tree of life that they may enter through the gates into the city. So can you, see, can you see this all tied through and how it's connected to Abraham and God knew him? And it's all in the same chapter as the, them coming and promising that Sarah will have a child of the promise through miraculous means, not through 
not through Abraham's own fleshly means, because that only makes corruption, that it's something God has to do, injected by his word, that transforms us inside out to be something new and different that we are, so that we can break the chain of corruption. I don't know. To me, it's, yeah. just, it's just awesome. All right, so back to 18, verse 19 in Genesis. So uh, he will command his children and his household after him. So we are to command our children and our household after us as well. And to instill into them the word, because what we instill into them fleshly, you see all our bad habits run around. <laughs> and, and so instead, we are to instill and inject into them the word of the, the seed of the word of God, that it may produce spiritual fruit and change and behaviors in their lives. And, in 18, they shall keep the way of Jehovah. Let me read my notes. I never read them. So they need to be spiritually born again through his word, the seed. Okay. So keep. They shall keep the way of Yehovah. So that word keep is shomer. It's the same word with different vowels, essentially, um, as shema. Shema Israel, right? Hear, O Israel. Um, shamar, keep. They will keep the way of Yehovah. Okay, so where is the first place we see that? Genesis, again, in 2. Genesis 2, uh, 15. And Yehovah took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. All right? So it wasn't... So, and I want you to understand here, too. It's to dress it. That means, like, to, you know, hoe the, the furrows and, and prune the trees. I don't know. They didn't even that. I'm just saying. And keep it. That word keeping there, it means to protect. It means to guard. It means to watch over it. And... That's exactly what Adam didn't do. He didn't keep the stuff out, the snake, that was supposed to be kept out, and he didn't watch over and protect it. I just need a paper towel because I can't just... Alright, go downstairs and go. There's some over there. And so, they were to keep, uh, to keep it, the garden. So again, I want you to see that, that it's related to the garden. And then again, if we go to Malachi... Go to Malachi 3, 7. Even from the days of your father, ye are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith Jehovah of hosts. But ye said, Where shall we return? Even from the days of your father have you gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. So keeping the ordinance, keeping the way, keeping the garden, keeping his word, Doing it, watching over it, protecting it, keeping out stuff, not adding to, not taking away. Revelation 22. I should have put sticky notes in my Bible. So I'm having to do this. Okay. Revelation 22, 17. And the Spirit and the bride saith, Come, and let him that hear say, Come. <coughs> um... And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Maybe that wasn't what I wanted. Uh, 
Well, anyway, whatever. So, anyway, we're supposed to keep it. So, back to, um, back to 18, Genesis 18, verse 19. So, he knew him, he'll command his children uh, and his household after him, and they will keep the way of Yehovah. <clears throat> and so, the that word way, Derek, and again, we're going to go to Genesis 3 real quick. We're not going to go up into Revelation, but we're just going to look at 3 here. 3.24, so he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden, Cherubim, and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Is that Revelation 22.7? Keep the sayings and prophecy of this book? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's verse 7, not 17. Keep, yeah, okay, there we go. Keep, keep the sayings and the prophecies of this book. Exactly. So they're to guard them, watch over and protect them. And then in, in this way, so he drove them out and he puts the cherubim to keep the way, the direction, the path to the tree of life. So, so because of what happens, because of sin entering in, because guard, Adam didn't keep and protect and guard, they get thrown out of the Garden of Eden. And they're in the world where there's a myriad of directions and paths and ways and they all lead to chaos. And there's only one way to the tree of life and no man can enter except through being... The only person that can enter is perfect, right? And there's only one man who is good, as Yeshua said. And only he gets to go in. And so you have to be in him. And you have to be born into him and born again by his word. And so they, this way to the tree of life is guarded. And so there's only one way in and we have to... And there's only one path and we have to be changed from our Adamic nature... Uh, through his word and through the seed. So it's just, I just love how it's just all woven in and through all the whole book of the Bible and his Torah and his words. I saw a picture of that. All right, and let's see. Next, continuing on here. Get back to where I was. Okay, back to verse 19 of chapter 18. So, they shall keep the way of Yehovah to do justice and judgment. So again, keep in mind our overall principle here that there's the world's full of corruption and chaos and man, everyone doing his whatever is right in his own eyes. But there's, there's the way of Yehovah and it leads to the tree of life and there's only one way and there's only uh, one man, Yeshua, who is entering in, and we all have to be in him to do it. And that way, his word, that seed that transforms us, is what brings justice and judgment. And that's what I want to talk about next. Right. So, justice, another word for it is righteousness. Um, Zedaka is a, a word for it. Um, in Jewish uh, terminology, they'll say Zedaka, and they say it means charity, which it can but that's, it's not a euphemism for charity. It's, uh, that severely limits it and alters it, if I dare say. Um, and so it's not good. So justice, to keep justice and judgment. And these are the things that maintain and sustain um, order in the world, in our lives, um, in, in, in everything. And it's the way of, of Yehovah, and it's his word that does that. So this word, Zedekah, uh, the first place, one of the first places we see it is in 15, Genesis 15, 6, which is just beautiful. I just love how it says this. It's talking about Abraham again. And he believed, 
and Yehovah, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So again, what do we see here? This, I believe Abraham being, he believes, he's born again, he accepts God at his word, right? Because he took him out and he gave him these promises and God, and Abraham believes, and he accepts God's word into him to then live, live it out, right? And so he's, as you have Abraham born again and it's counted to him for righteousness. So keeping this word, keeping this way does justice and makes justice and righteousness in his people and then that permeates from, from what it does in us to then our actions and what we whirl, what we do in the world, and that creates justice. Because the only thing that defines justice is God's word. There is, there is no justice apart from that. We have a justice system, which is not just. Because why? Because it's not according to God's word. It's, it's outside the garden in a myriad of directions and ways, but there's only one way of righteousness, which leads to life, the tree of life. And it's through his seed and through his word. And the only way that happens is if God knows us. And we're born again. God, just to me, this is cool. Okay, so... So to act according to our new nature that happens inside us, his word is, is embedded into us and we're born again. Because we're known just like the husband and the wife and they create a new child. God knows us and we're created a new creation in him. So to act according to our new nature is to do righteousness, to do his word. Now, what I find really fascinating, uh, and this is kind of, it's unrelated, but, but it's not at all. So Genesis 38, another place where this uh, word uh, righteousness or right to be righteous, uh, to tzedek, is used is in Genesis 38, 26. It just blows my mind. So, uh, hopefully I wrote down the right. Uh, oh, that's not it. Uh, it has righteousness. I know. Oh, no, this is it, right? All right. Yes, it is the word. Okay, and Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her not again no more. <laughs> to me, I don't know, maybe this isn't connecting with you guys. So, okay, you have righteousness and the seed and people coming together, knowing and that creating salvation. And so she's more righteous than Judah. And Judah just thinks that she's a, 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 a woman of the world. But what happens from that coming together in unity in that seed? The Messiah! What? <laughs> so God, his way has always worked out. I don't know. That, to me, that just blows my mind. It's like, you know, this is this insane story. And, um... Alright, so yeah. Okay. do 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 Continuing on. So, um, justice, righteousness, and judgment. Back to 18. (laughs) 
So judgment. For I know him, he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of Yehovah to do justice and judgment that Yehovah may bring upon Abraham, which he hath spoken. So it's this amazing idea of, on one hand, it's like God does it all in spite of, uh, or whether or not Abraham, you know, in spite of Abraham. You know, Abraham... But, but also needed Abraham, so to speak, if I can use that. And Abraham still had to obey. So you have this weird interplay of, you know, God doing it all, but Abraham still having to choose to do what's right. It's fascinating. Okay, so judgment. Mishpat. Uh, so go to Genesis 16. Um, Verse 5, Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw she had been, uh, that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. Yehovah judge, there's our word, between me and thee. So, what do you have here? You have Abraham trying to create the seed in the promise of his own accord. And what does it do? It, 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 it creates confusion. It creates chaos. It creates that which God didn't intend. There's ramifications that are incorrect because of it. So what does Sarah say? She says, Yehovah judge between me and thee. And I used to think uh, that that was um, you know, she was pissed off and yelling at him type of thing. And maybe it was. Uh, you know, maybe she was telling him you should have known better and this is all your fault. <laughs> but <laughs> But I don't think so. I think that actually has an endearing tone to it. I think that he, she's saying, she. I think she is yearning and, and seeking for, um, because the word judge means to set things right, to make things whole, to restore things. Yehovah, make things right between you and me. To fix the the chaos that has happened because of our actions, right? Because that's what a judge is supposed to do. Something bad has happened. They've broken the law. And so they go before the judge, and we've turned his title into a noun, but, but he is to pass judgment. He is to mete out actions and words that are supposed to make it whole again, to make it right again, so that things are can continue on and function properly. We don't tend to do that anymore. And so she's saying, we've done it our own way. We screwed up. Now we're going to have to live with these ramifications and consequences. But Yehovah, judge between me and thee. Make it right. So God knows Abraham. He, he injects his word into him. He makes a new creation. This promised son comes that's going to bring the Messiah to save all of Israel. And he knows, because he knows him, they will pass this word on to their children. And they will keep and sustain the way of Yahweh that leads to the tree of life. And they will do justice, Shema, and righteousness. Mishpat, they will make it right, they will make it right. And so that's what he's doing, he's sustaining and maintaining the word of God.
his promises. <clears throat> Why? That Yehovah may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken to him. And the promise, which, which is all of the promise, all the promises, the promises of the land, the promises of people, the promises of the kingdom, and um, uh, promises of the Messiah and his word. I don't know, it was very encouraging to me kind of going through this and, and so neat to see it all woven through and how God works in and through our mistakes our human human side and in spite of ourselves but even in spite of ourselves he can use his word to transform us into something that we're not so we can have a new nature so that we can obey him um, and um I don't know. It's just mind-blowing and encouraging um, because it's just sometimes, I don't know, for me, pretty easy to get very down on myself and just about life and uh, the struggles of it all. Uh, but he has a plan through it all anyway. You know, if he can work through Judah and Tamar, maybe I'm not so bad off. <laughs> So, but we have a task. We, uh, like Abraham, are to command our children and household after us that they keep the way of Yahweh because it's not passed on through osmosis. It's not passed on through blood. And I think that's a huge shortcoming that we have had uh, in Christianity. Uh, and hopefully it's not happening again in the quote-unquote Messianic movement or whatever they want to call us. But we can't just assume that it's going to trickle down. Because it doesn't. Because it doesn't come through physical means. That's why you have to command and teach your children these things and plant the seed of the Word of God in them so that there will be born again new life and a new nature in them to produce fruit, which is good works unto righteousness of the Word of God of Torah. And so that is our task. We're to keep the garden. And, you know... Yeshua be in the last Adam because Adam did not keep the gardening, did not keep the weight of the tree of life. Yeshua did and is and does. And because we're created, born in, into him, we are able to do the same thing now. And um, I don't know. So let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for your word in this day and for this passage and that you have preserved it for us and you maintain it and that you maintain us, and that we are here today, and obviously your word has not uh, not become null and void, because the very fact that we're here as living proof of you maintaining your word from when you spoke this to Abraham to all the way up to now, where we, where we are, and others that follow and seek after you and follow Yeshua all over the world, and, and you have kept your word and your covenants and your promises and that we are a part of that and we're able to partake and, and pass it on to our children. It's just awesome, God. And so I just pray that we would remain faithful in it and that you would strengthen us and build us up and that we would teach our children and that you would bring the redemption and that you would gather your people back as we uh, turn back from ways in which we have strayed and erred. Uh, so just work mightily in us through your spirit, through your word. Thank you for this Shabbat. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen.